0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, John chapter four is uh, where we're gonna be a, a very familiar portion of scripture. I think I've preached messages from here about once a year, at least for the last five years, and uh, maybe even more than that. Uh, But tonight we're going to be in John chapter number four. As we get there, I want to ask you, how many of you ever watched or you can remember watching the shows like uh, Matlock or Murder, She Wrote? Anybody here? You ever watch those shows? When I was a little, was a little kid, uh, we grew up, you know, watching watching that. And Dad would turn on Matlock every now and then, or Murder She Wrote, or other other lawyer shows. And if you've ever watched a, a lawyer show like that, then you know that most of those TV shows, and and probably even lawyer movies that they're coming out with now, uh, man the the prosecution is trying to make their case against this person and. Almost all of those, in almost all of those cases, almost all of those shows, there would be usually somebody in the case that they're trying to get to testify. And they're going, they're saying, listen, Sally, Sally, if you will just come into court and if you'll testify of what you saw, we know we can get a conviction. We know we could, this bad guy would go away for a long time. Sally, would you testify? And Sally says, no no, I can't do that. But Sally, you saw the crime. She says, I, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Well, why? Because I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. What will happen if I, if I testify? Well, Sally, you don't need to worry about what'll happen. And well, fine. All right, Sally, you're not going to testify. And so they leave a little bit more into the episode. Here they are again, sitting in Sally's living room and they're going, Sally, you're our only hope. If you don't testify, this guy is gonna walk and he's gonna get away clean, just scot-free. He's gonna get away. Sally, you gotta testify. And she says, no, I, I don't think people will listen. And you go through, and if you remember those shows, there, there's usually all these excuses. I'm afraid, I, I don't think they'll listen. I, I don't think that I really, I don't, I don't know if I really saw what I saw and I'm kind of doubting that now. And pretty soon, of course, if you ever watch those shows, you know they're all kind of similar, Pretty soon they're going to get her to testify, and sure enough, Sally takes that stand, and she testifies and tell the court what they see, and and you know they do their cinematography and they come back and on the jurors or on the judge, and and it's like jaw you know jaw dropping. Everybody's like, oh, it's all true, and immediately you know the jury they they go away to to do their uh, um what's it called deliberation, thank you. I heard, I was like, nope, that's not it. Uh, They go away and do their deliberation and and usually it's like 10 minutes they come back and they're like, guilty. And someone will go to a juror and say, well, what what changed your mind? They say, oh, well, it was Sally. Sally's testimony, Sally's story changed everything. In all of those cases, And all of those shows, and still even to this day, probably movies that come out and shows that come out with lawyers, it's usually the the testimony or the story of one person that changes the outcome of everything. As you come to John chapter number four, we're gonna find a, a very familiar story of one person. But what we're gonna discover is how God used this one person telling her story to change the outcome of an entire city. It's a familiar passage and I want you to see it with me. So take your Bible if you would. Let's go to John chapter number four. We're gonna begin reading in verse number 25. Before we get there, let me just give you very quickly what's taking place. Jesus, in John chapter four, verse number four, he gives this statement that I must needs go. he must needs go through Samaria. And so uh, Samaria, that central part of Israel, of course, Jerusalem would be to the south, Galilee would be to the north, and Samaria, that area right in the middle, would be an area, we know this, that Jews would not travel. Uh, the Jews and Samaritans had no dealings with. With each other. They were really against each other because the uh, Jews believed that the Samaritans were like half-breeds, you know, and so we don't, we're not going to fellowship with you or have any relationship with you, and all of those things would take place, and so there was this, this hatred, if you will, between them, and so most of the time, we know this, stay up here, most of the time, we know that the Jews, they would, they would travel from Jerusalem over uh, the, the river, all the way north, and then back over again. They would go out of their way to bypass Samaria. Well, Jesus, he didn't do that. And he, in John chapter number four, he must needs go through Samaria. Well, when he gets there, we know the story. He comes to a well, and as he's at this well, a Samaritan woman, the disciples go into the city of Sychar to, to buy something to eat, and this woman comes out in the noon noontime, uncommon time for her to come. We'll see that. She comes to draw water, and Jesus in her interacts and has a conversation with her. And long story short, he shares himself with her. Hey, I am, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. And she believes. She believes. There's a lot of truths, a lot of things we're skipping past, but that's the, that's the gist of what takes place in the first half of John chapter number 4. So jump with me, if you will, to John chapter 4, verse number 25. John 4, verse 25. The woman saith unto him, this is right in the the last part of their conversation. She says, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? Verse 28, the woman then left her water pot, and she went her way into the city and saith to the men, come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Skip down to verse number 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him, notice the next few words, many Samaritans believed on him for the saying of the woman. You know what that means? Many of them believed because she spoke. Many of them believed because of the saying, because of what she said. Which testified, he told me of all uh, that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Verse 42, and said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. I love the story of the Samaritan woman getting saved by the well. I love what takes place in her life, but I really... I really love her response because her response was not one of uh, uh, intimidation. It wasn't one of, of shyness. Her response was, I found the Messiah, and I want everyone else to know him too. Really, that's not uncommon in Scripture, is it? It's not uncommon for God to use the story of one person to bring multitudes to him. And tonight, I want to give you just a simple statement. It's the the title of the message, and it's simply this, that God can use your story. God can use your story. God can use you to testify about what Jesus has done in your life, and it could change the opinion of an entire courtroom, can change the opinion of an entire city. And so tonight, we're going to look at the story of this woman, how God worked in her life, and then God, how, how God used her to change her city, and we'll get challenged from it. So let's pray, let's ask the Lord to bless our time in his word, and then we'll get into it. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take a moment and just ask the Lord, just in the quietness of your own heart, would you ask the Lord to speak to you? And you can pray something simple of, God, please speak to me. God, please speak to me. And then would you just make a commitment? God, as you speak to me, I'm listening to you and I'll respond. Dear Lord, I come before you and thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how you use it in our lives. Thank you, Father, for wanting to transform us through your spirit, with your spirit, through the power of your word. And so God, I pray that you would just help us as we go through the service tonight. I pray that you'd help us to give attention to the word of God. Lord, I know that it is not gonna be my words or my actions that change the hearts of anyone. So God, I pray that you would do the spiritual work that only you can do. Father, I humble myself before you and I'm willing to be used tonight. Pray that you'd do that. Pray that you'd speak into my life again. Lord, help me to see that there's a difference I can make when I tell my story. Lord, help me to, to find that conviction and that challenge tonight from your spirit. Lord, I pray that tonight we would leave encouraged and challenged to share you with this lost world. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you and I look at, at John chapter number 4, we're going to find how God used the story of one woman to change a city. As I look at the story of this Samaritan woman, I want us to see first of all tonight that I see that it's a story of compassion. I see that her story, the Samaritan woman's story, is one of compassion. And I want us to consider a few things about this woman tonight. I want us first of all to see that her story is or that she is a woman of Samaria. She's a woman of Samaria. Now, again, what I said a moment ago, just in the dealings of Jews and Samaritans, we know that they didn't, they didn't deal together. They, they weren't, it wasn't common that they would, be, they would be together, but we know that she's a, a woman of Samaria, and she even asks the question. Jesus asks her for water, and, and notice her response, verse number nine. Here's what she says. How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. That, staple, that statement in and of itself shows us the, the understanding that both of these groups had. And so this woman, she's just a woman of Samaria. She's a woman that most Jews would absolutely despise. Not only is she a woman of Samaria, but she's a woman of immorality. This woman, of, she's a woman of immorality. Her lifestyle was immoral. If you go to verse number 14, or verse number 16, 17, and 18, notice what Jesus says to her. This is their discourse, their conversation. Jesus saith unto her, Hey, uh, go call thy husband and come hither. Hey, go get your husband and come back. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, he said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that saidst thou truly. So here's Jesus speaking to her, and he says, hey, listen, uh, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He says, you speak truth. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now, you never even married. Hey, you've been involved in six relationships. Now, uh, in In our day and age, culturally speaking, most people don't see a lot of problems with that. All right. But in that day and age, and biblically speaking, that's an immoral lifestyle. It's immorality. And so here's this woman that Jesus is speaking to and and talking with. Number one, she's a Samaritan. She has that against her. Number two, she's a woman of immorality. Number three, she's a woman of shame. She's a complete woman of shame. You say, Pastor, where do we see shame in the story? Well, the shame is found in verse 6 and verse 7. Notice John chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7. Here's what we read Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. <coughs> Some of us, we would read this and say, I don't really see shame in that verse. She's coming out to draw water at noon. it would be one of the hottest times in the day, and it would be very uncommon for anyone to come draw water at that time, but especially a woman to come alone. That would, culturally, that was unheard of. Most of the time, those ladies, and we know this, I've talked about it before, they would go as a group to draw water and they would go usually first thing in the morning, six or seven, um, even eight o'clock in the morning, but they would go early in the morning when it's still a little cool out and they'd be able to go together for some safety reasons so they wouldn't have to uh, get mugged or encounter strangers on the street, on the road or anything like that. So they would always go out together. Well, she's coming out alone. You wanna know why she's coming out alone? Because she's a woman of shame. Because of her lifestyle, she lived in shame. She lived in such a way where people weren't wanting to be around her. I believe it would be safe to say that this woman, she probably, probably, humanly speaking, relationship speaking, she was probably an unloved person. She's probably an unloved person. I've used the illustration many times before, and I think it very appropriate when we talk about love. You know that every single person looks for love. Every single one of us have a void. We have a hole within our heart needing love. It was Madeline Murray O'Hare. After her death, they were going through her journal and found written several times this phrase, usually together in two sentences. Madeline Murray O'Hare, of course, one who was very much against Christianity and and all of that. You can go do some research if you want to know more about her. But here's what she said. Will somebody somewhere please love me? Will somebody somewhere please love me? That's That's at the core of who we are. We need love. Every single person. And I looked, this woman of Samaria, she was no different. She needed love. And if you remember just a second ago, I said I call her story a story of compassion. Here's why, because Jesus, he didn't look and see immorality. He didn't look and see her shame. He didn't look and see where she was from. Jesus looked and he saw a lost sheep who needed him. He looked, and if you understand it today, Jesus must needs go through Samaria, and the reason is because of his love. Jesus showed up because of love. He showed up because, as he said in John 19, verse 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Listen, there is love oozing from this story. Because while you and I would look at it, and we would say, oh, the Samaritans and Jews, they shouldn't have been together. Oh, her lifestyle for, no doubt, she was uh, hated by people, and she lived in shame. and, And I can't believe the immorality that she would have in her life. And we would look and probably condemn her. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria because I don't see a story of shame. I see a story filled with compassion, my compassion for her. I absolutely love her, and so I'm going to Samaria. What a story. What a story, the pursuit of God for this one who we would deem as unlovable. Aren't you thankful that God pursued you? Aren't you thankful that God didn't look at your life, your past, your lifestyle, your shame, uh, even if you were five years old or six years old when you got saved, God didn't look at your wicked sin and say unlovable. God looked at you and said a story of compassion. I love them. I I I gave my life for you. Man, we were worth it. I love the song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Man, I love that. I love that thought. Why? It's a story of love. It's a story of compassion. And I look and I want us to be reminded today that you and I, just like this woman, we don't deserve God's love. And yet God looks at our life and he doesn't see a story of your past or of your life or of your shame. He sees a story of his love for you. A story of compassion. We see tonight a story of compassion for this lady, this Samaritan woman, but I also want us to see that it's a story of change. It's a story of change. Notice what takes place in verse number 28. Verse number 28, it's an awesome verse because it it almost seems like it just kind of clicked for her. Between verse 26 and verse 28, somewhere in the conversation that the disciples had with Jesus in verse 27, somewhere in there, she gets saved. And notice what it says, and the woman, she then left her water pot and she went into the city and saith unto the man, come see a man which told me all things, all things that ever I did is not this, the Christ?" And there's a lot to see in just this simple, these two verses, but I just wanna tell you real quick, what I see first off is she left the water pot. I preached a whole message, I think three or four years ago on leaving the water pot. What an awesome thing. What was, her, what was her purpose? Why was she at the well? To draw water. What do you need to draw water? A water pot. Yeah, good job, Veronica, you passed. Uh, uh, she's there to draw water, she needs it. She needs the water pot to get the water. And you know what she does? She drops it. Her entire, her purpose of being at the well was to get water with that water pot. And the Bible, uh, John helps us see this clearly. I don't, think, I don't think it's a, well, it's just a small little detail he put in there. No, it's a big detail that he wanted you and I to understand that the Lord inspired him to put in John chapter four, verse number 28, hey, she left the water pot. I think there's some application there that her purpose changed. Man, now she has a new purpose. She received Christ, and so she left her purposes, and she picked up Christ's purpose. Why? what did she do? She went into the city, and she proclaimed. We'll see that in just a second. But man, she had new purpose, didn't she? She had new identity. Now I'm not known as the Samaritan woman coming to get water. I'm going back because I wanna give the water of life freely, just like I received. I see that she left her water pot. She left it at the well. She left her purpose. But I see also that she left her past. How did she leave her past? Well, she left her past because now she... With courage goes right back into the city. We've used that phrase every year uh, since 2014, I think, or maybe 2015 for our uh, outreaches in the month of September. And we're coming right up to it again, our into the city outreaches. And this year is going to look different because we can't really go into the city and do our outreaches like we usually do. Uh, but I love that phrase, into the city. And I, I remember just that phrase just jumped off the page at me about five years ago. And I remember looking up what it meant. And it's interesting because the word into, the Greek word that we would translate into, the definition, it doesn't mean just to draw close to or go in. It means to go in with intent or purpose. To go in with intent or purpose. So she left the water pot and now she's looking back at, at the city and she's going, she, she's not thinking, well, I wonder what I'll do when I get back there. Uh, I think I'll just, no, she leaves the water pot and she just goes. Man, she's like a man at a mall. How many of you men like to shop? Don't raise your hand. You think about shopping. Most men, my dad would say this, most men are, are military when it comes to shopping, except for him because he likes to shop. Most men, you know what you do? You get to the store, you know what you're getting, you go in, you get it, and you come out. You're just determined. That's how I see her going to the city. She's not thinking, what am I gonna do when I get there? No, the phrase she's going into the city is she with determination, with intent, and with purpose. You know what I see that as? She's saying, hey, I don't care who I was. See, it used to be she probably didn't want people around her. It used to be she had that shame. Now she's saying, I don't care who I was, I'm made new. I'm going with purpose into the city. And I see, man, what a wonderful picture it is of the change that Jesus makes in your life and my life that when we trust him, no longer uh, do we live with that, uh, that fear. But now I have courage, why? Because he's changed me. She leaves with a new purpose. She left her past, but then also I see she had new priorities. Now she has this priority of speaking to people. She gets right in the city and she doesn't go home first. She doesn't take the water pot home first. She doesn't do anything. No, she goes right into the city and the Bible tells us in verse number 29 that she speaks up boldly. Hey, come see a man that told me everything that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? And she now has this new priority of telling people about Jesus Christ. And that's, that's what she's doing. She gives her story to tell people about Christ. Man, what a testimony a testimony! of the change that God can make. I see that this woman, her story is a story of compassion, but it's, a story of, it's, a, it's also a story of change. But then lastly tonight, it's a story that was communicated. It's a story communicated. Because what I see when she comes in verse number 29, <clears throat> she boldly proclaims. I don't think that, that John would write in here that she went into the city and, and she whispered. I don't think it would say, Miss Anita, that she went in and she was like, hey, excuse me, excuse me. I just, can I tell you something real quick? I don't think she did that. I think she came in and with boldness, I think she's running to everybody. She's excited. Hey, hey, come see somebody. Come see a man that told me everything. I Hey, hey, did you meet, have you met him? Did you know that is not this the Christ? And she's going person to person with this, new field, this newfound excitement, understanding. Listen, I was lost, but now I'm saved. I was blind, but now I see. I mean, she probably has just like everybody else that we see in scripture, some excitement about her. When she trusted Christ, she got excited. Somebody else needs to know the hope that I'm feeling right now. Man, what an amazing testimony of the change that the love of Jesus can make. And, and, and that's not uncommon in Scripture. It's not uncommon in Scripture to see people do that. Uh, man, when people got saved in the Word of God, what they do? They wanted to tell somebody. And we'll see more in a second, but look with me at the result of her telling. Look at verse number 30, or verse 29, when she says, Come see a man which told me all the things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Verse 30 says this, Then... Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Man, you know what happened? People listened. People listened to her. While they're traveling out there, Jesus would have a conversation with his his disciples. The famous verse of uh, uh, verse number. 35 say unto you, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already unto harvest and Jesus helping them see missions. But uh, I believe that when they looked up in that, in that moment, I think as they look out, you know what I think they saw? I think they saw that Samaritan woman in front of a whole group of people walking right back out. What'd they do? They came out, and the scripture tells us in verse 39 through 42, what we read a moment ago, some amazing portions of scripture. It says many of the Samaritans of that city, they believed on him. Why'd they believe? For or because, that word for means because, because of the saying of the woman. You know what this means? This means that people believed even before they got to Christ. That's that phrase. They believed even before they got to him. It was simply her testimony that affected their heart and caused them to see the change in her is something I desire. He's the Messiah and I haven't even met him yet. They They settled it within their heart to know that this is the Christ and many of them believed because of the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So, when the Samaritans were come unto him, now they get there. Those who had already believed, they besought him, they begged him, hey, why don't you tarry here for a few days? Abode here for two days. And Jesus did, and the scripture tells us what else took place. What else took place? It says, many more believed because now, because of his own word. And they said to the woman, hey, now we believe. Not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now they're saying, hey, you brought us to him. We we believed then, but when we met him face to face, hey, now, now we believe because we've met him personally. I love this thought that this woman, she didn't go back and use some great doctrinal theology. She didn't go and begin to recite the book of Deuteronomy and uh, use the prophets to point out, like Peter did with the Ethiopian eunuch, to point out to Jesus. She didn't do any of that. You know what she did? She told her story. That's all she did. Go look, go look again. Verse 29. Hey, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. Is not this the Christ? She's saying, hey, I, went, I was out there and he told me everything that I did and I believe that he is Christ, the savior of the world. I believe it's him. She just told her experience. She just told what happened to her. And because of her simple story, because of her simple testimony, almost an entire town received Jesus as savior power of one story. Sally's story and Matlock, it could change the courtroom's opinion. And the woman of Sychar, the the Samaritan woman, her story, her story changed the entire town she was from. Power of one story. I like how one man said it. He said, she seems to have been convinced that he was the Messiah, and she went immediately to make known to others. Our first business when we have found the Savior should be to make him known also to others. You see, her mind was not filled with her priorities and her purpose. No, her mind was, I need to give him to somebody else. She didn't leave the water pot in negligence, She actually left it in responsibility. She left her purpose. Now I have a responsibility. I I gotta tell somebody else. I mentioned it a moment ago, but we see see it time and time again. All throughout scripture, when people trust Jesus as savior, they wanna go tell others. Andrew and Philip, when they found Christ, they brought others to him. Levi, Matthew, the publican, he being called by Christ, made a feast for Christ and then invited many other publicans and sinners to sit down in order to meet Christ. Paul, when he was converted, he expresses a great concern for his brethren and kinsmen according to the flesh. The wise men, they met Jesus, the, the, they left the baby Jesus and they told others about him. The blind that were healed, they would leave and tell others. The possessed that were set free, the lepers that were healed, listen, Time and time and time and time again, people who met Jesus, they wanted someone else to meet him. And they used their story. I think about the blind man. You remember the blind man, blind Bartimaeus? And he got called before the, before the, the, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees there, and they said, hey, uh, tell us what happened to you. And his, his famous statement that got turned into tons of songs Whether this man was a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I know is I was blind and now I see. You know what he did? He just recounted his story. That's all he did. His parents said, uh, yeah, he was born blind. They said, well, who did this? And they said, well, ask him. They went and asked him a second time. Hey, who did they? He said, listen, I already told you, Jesus, the teacher from Nazareth, he's the one that did it. Well, he's a sinner, he couldn't do it. Okay, you can say he's a sinner, but I just know what he did in my life. I just know the change that he's made in me. And what I want to simply bring to our attention tonight, whether we're in person or whether we're online, I want to bring out the simple truth that your story could change someone's eternal destination. And I was talking with a pastor friend this afternoon, and he said, Dennis, you know what I feel like is happening He said, I feel like that uh, the, the devil has just attacked Christianity in such a way that most believers, number one, they're fearful to meet. And number two, they're fearful of telling others about him. And what are the two commandments listed in scripture by Jesus? Love God and love people. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And going to church is always a way of just showing that I love the Lord. And what's the devil doing? He's attacking him. There's a lot of people just just neglecting it. And then everybody's afraid of talking. (laughs) Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how when you go out and about, now it's not, hey, how you doing to just strangers? I don't know about you, but I've always been like that. Now people avoid you like you you have COVID (laughs) because they're assuming you do. You know, I can't talk to them. I can't, no, I can't. Eye contact, it spreads through eye contact. (laughs) We got totally off the subject, but I'm going here. We got on the plane coming back from one of our trips uh, this last week, and I'm not lying. A guy got on the plane with, it wasn't wasn't just a mask. It was like a tent. (laughs) but It was really big, and then on top of that, he had... Uh, he had snowboarding goggles, Rob, snowboarding goggles, and then he had these huge, like, headphone earmuff things. I was like, dude's gonna have a really hard time passing through TSA, you know, because they always say, well, could you at least take the mask down so I can see you, you know? It's like, sir, and one hour later, he's undone, you know, and then he has to put it back on. And you know what I, You know what I honestly thought? I thought, man, everybody's just living in fear. But the sad thing is there's a lot of Christians who are afraid, not about getting, uh, I'm not gonna preach the message I preached a few weeks ago about COVID, but I'm not talking about people who are afraid and not being cautious and all that. I'm talking about people who are just afraid to initiate a small conversation about the Lord. And the devil loves that. He loves that believers are fearful about speaking out. Why? Because when I got saved and when you got saved, it should have been on our heart i just want other people to know and can i tell you this evening that you don't have to have a, a lot of degrees as a matter of fact you actually don't have to have any degrees you don't have to be a sunday school teacher you don't have to be a, a pastor you don't have to have a bible college experience You don't have to know all the theological discussions and debates and answers. You don't have to have 250 verses memorized. You know what you need to do? Just tell somebody your story. That's all it takes. Just tell someone your story. I love the spirit of the disciples in Acts chapter four and verse number 20. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Hey, I'm not gonna tell you something that happened to somebody else. I can tell you what happened to me. I was blind, but now I see. Hey, we can't, we can't tell you about everything else, but we're just going to speak the things that we have seen and that we have heard. I just want to tell us tonight, help us understand that your story and my story, it can make a difference. But often we're like Sally. I don't want to testify because I'm afraid. I don't want to testify because I don't know what people will do. I don't want to testify because they might not listen to me. I don't want to testify because they'll think I'm crazy. I don't want to tell my story because I don't know what will happen. I love the courage of this woman. She didn't know what was going to happen, but she still told her story. Can I just tell you tonight that he wants you to tell your story? We're gonna come into our end of the city outreaches and this year, I said it a moment ago, it's gonna be different. We're trying to think creatively about ways to reach into our community post COVID and all of this stuff. But one of the ways that was brought up in staff meeting the other day was simply this. Hey, let's encourage people to just tell their story. Share your testimony on Facebook. Share your testimony on your social media. Go out to coffee with a friend and just tell them your story. I'm not telling you because I'm trying to make you believe. I'm just, I just want you to know what happened to me. I met Jesus. He's changed my life. I'd love for you to meet him too. He wants you to tell your story. So here's my question for us tonight. What excuses are we giving? Because I guarantee our excuse is not as powerful as his spirit working through your story. I close with one statement one man made about this woman. He said, when you consider how little spiritual truth this woman knew, her zeal and witness put us to shame. But God used her simple testimony and many of the people came out to the well to meet Jesus. Certainly, she was the least likely prospect for salvation and yet God used her to win almost an entire village. I love the story of the woman at the well. I see it tonight as it's a story of compassion. In spite of who she was, the Lord loved her. It's a story of change. Man, she got saved and it literally changed her from the inside out. But then I see tonight it was a story that was communicated, a story of courage. She didn't hold it to herself. She said, I I don't know who my story can make a difference in, but I'm gonna tell my story because I know he changed me, and perhaps he could do that in somebody else. And so tonight I want to ask you, will you tell your story? We you ask the Lord, God, give me somebody I can tell my story to. Will you tonight take the challenge and post it on some media? It doesn't have to be long, it doesn't have to be every detail, and just be something simple. At work tomorrow, when someone talks to you, how was, how was your weekend? Maybe you could say, well, I learned last night I need to tell my story. They'd say, oh, well, what's your story? Man, that opens a door. And you never know. Well, pastor, I I don't know what they'll do. Hey, listen, we can do Sally's excuses all day long. I can't testify because. I'm sorry, (laughs) Matlock. I'm sorry, I can't. But instead, I hope that we would say, Lord, God, I want to tell my story. I don't know how you'll use it. I don't don't know if anybody will trust you. I don't know if a whole town will get saved. But because you instructed me in scripture to tell people about you, I'm gonna use my story to tell people about my savior. I hope you'd make that decision tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's ask God. God, would you help us to tell our story? God, would you help us to tell our story? Maybe God has brought somebody to your mind And tonight, you wanna pray, God, help me to tell them my story. If God's spoken, let's just be responsible tonight and reply to him, let's respond to him and make the commitment, Lord, this week, I'm gonna tell my story. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.